Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here, you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in. For some of us, Advent sounds like a weird word. Um, you know, we talk about where this kind of lands on what we, some people call the Christian, uh, the Christian calendar. And, and that, might, that might feel a little awkward uh, to some people. Who does, who, does that feel awkward to anybody? Anybody honestly like, what the heck is that? Okay, yeah, that's one person that's good. Maybe a few others. Uh, some, some, of you, some of us aren't familiar with what we might call the liturgical or storied way look at a calendar. Now, Montrealers have a calendar. It's winter and summer, right? Like we skip through spring, we, we skip through fall. It like is like in a blip and it's like, oh my gosh, did I rake my leaves? The snow's already on top of them. And then winter's here. So that's kind of part of our calendar. Part of our calendar is like skating and skiing and then the jazz fest and every other festival after that in the summer, right? That, that's a little bit, that, that's part of our, uh, our calendar as well. For some, it's like one season is trips down south and one season is trips up north. Um, and then there's stops along the way, right? Like Victoria Day, Mother's Day, St. Jean-Baptiste, Canada Day, things like that. And that becomes our calendar for the year. But the ancient church, an older church, many, many years, decades, centuries before us, they had believed not in a doctrine or a belief, but in a way that would shape their calendar as they looked, as they went through the year, so every year, instead of just saying, oh, it's Father's Day, it's Mother's Day, or every year it's like, oh, we're celebrating St. Jean-Baptiste or something. No, no, through, through every year they would come back to the whole story of the scriptures. And they would be reminded of God's story through the scriptures and through history. Now, some people are only familiar with Christmas and Easter, and maybe they know what Pentecost is. But Advent really kicks off the church calendar or the church year. And really, not the whole story of God, but a part of the story of God that helps us wait for God to show up. That's what Advent is about. It's waiting for his kingdom to break in through his Messiah. That's the, that's the part of the story we celebrate in Advent. There's, I say it this way, it's on the screen, that, that Advent is a chapter in God's story that anticipates the arrival of God's kingdom through the incarnation of his son. It's the chapter in God's story that anticipates the arrival of God's Messiah or God's kingdom through the incarnation of his son, who we know through the scriptures is the Messiah. And it's kind of a great chapter in the story because it doubles up. Because when we anticipate the arrival of the incarnation, well, we're looking, we're kind of like stepping back. Well, when we look back to that, it also reminds us that we can look forward to the second coming of Christ. So the first breaking in of God's kingdom and then the fullness of God's kingdom that's coming one day. I've invited us as a church to think about uh, reading through a, a resource, uh, an Advent resource that if you're on our email news, you've gotten it, or if you'd like to get it, you just have to email us and we'll send you a link, really easy to get. And it's walking us through the scriptures in Advent and a, a short reflection and some time to think and journal and be present with the Lord. And Ruth Barton, who put this together, she says this in the first week of Advent leading up to today. She says that Advent is waiting for the light of Christ's coming into the dark places of our world and lives. Who's not waiting for light these days? Who's not waiting for some light in darkness? 
We can take any part of human history and also recognize that humanity longs and waits for light in darkness. So uh, what I want to do today and what I want to do for the next three, four weeks is we're choosing a really odd text for Advent. In, in fact, although I'll be, we, we've read already and I'll read again some of the, the passages from this week's Advent week, week one, here's this odd text. It's Romans 14, verse 17. And it brings us to this part of the New Testament that I think brings our Advent readings into focus. And, uh, and here, here's what it says. Here's the Apostle Paul. Maybe you've heard this text before, and maybe you, you know the, the context surrounding it. We'll get to it in a moment. But here's what Paul says to this first century church in Rome. He says, for the kingdom of God is not, food, is not about food and drink, or not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. God, as we enter this day, as we enter again, just the beauty of your story and this scripture and more, God, we invite you to captivate our hearts and help us to be immersed in who you are, God. Um, we truly long for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. It's an odd text for Advent. Like, Jesus isn't mentioned. The incarnation isn't mentioned. There's no shepherds. There's no, it's not about Christmas. It's not even talking about leading up to that at all. But something is happening within this church that motivates Paul to call them back to the reality of God's kingdom. Something's happening among them that he has to interject and help them understand that, that, that something's taken place, that this reality that has brought them together, that has brought them to faith, that has brought them to know who God is in Christ, is part of the reality of God's kingdom. Now, for them and us, the cross and the resurrection already took place. Christmas already took place. The incarnation took place. But sometimes, you tell me if I'm right or wrong, we can live like it never happened. And sometimes even they, there was something that they were doing that they were living like it never happened. It's almost like we need to be reminded that God's kingdom that was announced was on its way and always wants to make a way into our lives and into our hearts and into our relationships so we can live into the reality of God's kingdom. But here, here's the struggle that this first century church faced that maybe some of us face they misplaced their hope in something that didn't reflect God's kingdom. They misplaced their hope in something that didn't reflect God's kingdom. I had stashed away, hidden in the, in the drum set. Anybody know what this is? A decanter, right? It's a wine decanter. We're not drinking wine today, don't worry. But this thing has been sitting in my garage for, I don't know, four or five weeks now. Something like that. My wife's like, what is he saying? Um, and it's been just sitting there waiting to be brought to Village de Valeur. It's been waiting to be brought to the thrift store down the street. And, and what's, what's you know, interesting about this is once I was walking in a mall, I think it was, I walked by Stokes, right? Um, and they sell all these kinds of things. And, I, and there was probably a sale that triggered me to buy this. And then I saw it. I'm like, we should have a wine decanter. I think we, we've always wanted a wine decanter, right, honey? And why not get the best out of wine? And then, for the, you know, and then I thought, I had a lot of hope for this decanter. The aromas, the robust flavors that would come out. Now I realize that like, 
when we drink wine, it's probably like a glass or half a glass. So this is actually too big for anything we even drink. But then I realized, I thought, well, but this is going to be great. Because when friends come over, we can say, guys, you got to try this in this container. Or we would say, do you own a wine decanter like like we have? And so I'm going to be honest to you. We used it once. And my wife, of course, said, told you so. And we, we, we used it once, and it's been sitting in my garage, and soon it's going to go to Village de Valeur. However, if someone wants to re-gift this, you're more than welcome. I'm going to leave it right on the side of the stage. And whether you want to get it now, you won't disturb me. If you want to get it after the gathering, and I won't say a word, whatever. Just don't give it to anybody who's in our church or watching us online, and then... And then that'll be okay. But here, here's what this reminded me of. It reminded me that my hope was misplaced. I thought this object was more than it was. I thought it was going to do more. I thought it was going to give me more. I thought it was going to, I don't know, like just do something more than it was. And maybe you have one of those objects in your garage with misplaced hopes. Maybe you have something that you thought was really important, something that maybe you even fought over at one time in your life, something that you forced your kids to use because you really believed it was for their good, something you told your friends after you bought this gadget that now is in your garage that you said, you really should get this. It's worth 50 bucks. I swear the shopping channel was right. I'm telling you, this is going to change your life. But now all these things are in a thrift shop or maybe waiting to go there. And we put our hope in something only to discover it was a hope misplaced. And Paul discovers that this church that he's writing to in Rome, they're struggling with misplaced hope. There's a conflict going on in this conversation that we're reading from with the, the Jews, Christ, Jews who've become Christians and Gentiles who've become Christians. So there's a Christian church, a community, with a mix of people with a Jewish background and a Gentile background. And there's some of their eating habits that Paul will describe earlier in the text. Here's like first few verses of chapter 14. Paul says to them, accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not and the one who does not uh, to treat everyone must not judge the one who does for God has accepted them. And Paul leans into this struggle that's going on in this church community. And if you continue reading chapter 14, he unpacks that struggle. And we'll actually look at some of these things over the next few weeks to help us understand where our hope really lies. But this is going on. The Jews have these dietary laws, this regulated food and drink that they use. It's either clean or unclean. and, And so they're mindful of these things. And in their past, it helped Israel to be a unique nation among other nations in an earlier time. But Gentiles have come into the church, non-Jews, without these practices, without these dietary laws. And they had no reference to these guidelines. And they really ate completely different and never had a problem with anything that was put in front of them to eat. Maybe you know people like this that are on diets and they tell you to, like, you should use this diet. Like, eating no meat is going to save your life. Or eating a lot of meat is going to save your life. Uh, whatever. And there's a whole bunch of diets out there. But in, in this context, both had come to know Jesus. Both had become part of God's family. Both have put their faith in the resurrected Jesus. But old habits don't die. And the Jews still ate kosher, and the Gentiles still ate whatever they wanted. But they had to come to the table and sit together. And eating together was the problem. 
Because now there was an obstacle. They weren't exhibiting, reflecting, practicing the way of God's kingdom. They couldn't sit down and demonstrate to each other and to those around them the reconciliation that was made possible in the coming kingdom of God through the cross, the resurrection, and the work of the Spirit. They couldn't do that. Paul calls the Gentiles strong because they're not bothered by anything food they eat. And Paul calls the Jews weak because they struggle to sit at a table with people that don't eat like them. And they're not fulfilling the beauty of God's kingdom. In fact, they're missing what God was doing among them. They were missing out what God was doing among them. They're fighting about food and drink, and they've sideswiped the beauty and purpose and joy and peace and reconciliation in God's kingdom. And Paul forces, or it forces Paul, in, in, in other words, to bring them to the table with this call, with this imperative, with this clear message where he says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of food and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And Paul, in this moment, just takes their attention away from what their food, away from their regulations, away from what they're allowing to be an obstacle to God's kingdom at work there, and he pulls them and, and just says, hey, you got to focus on God's kingdom. God's kingdom had come near through Jesus. God's kingdom broke into the world through God's Messiah. And that's what we celebrate during Advent. We actually put ourselves back in the story of the anticipated arrival of God's Messiah. The anticipated arrival of the breaking in of God's kingdom into our world and into our lives. In this earlier part of the story where, the, where, where God's prophets clued us into the coming of his kingdom through his Messiah, a, a time where God envisioned was coming and planned a moment in history where his kingdom would come near to us. And then even though the fullness of the kingdom isn't here yet, because of his kingdom come, because of his son coming, because of his spirit at work, the kingdom could be experienced by people who've embraced Christ and entered in to God's kingdom through Christ. Here's some backstory. Jeremiah chapter 33. We read it earlier today, and I'll read it again with one more verse. Here's the prophet Jeremiah saying these words, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promise I made to the people of Israel and Judah. And in those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. And in those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called. The Lord, our righteous Savior. Did you catch the words? The coming? Jeremiah was prophesying an arrival he was prophesying a good promise that would come through a righteous branch from King David, Israel's favored and treasured king. And through his line, a righteous branch would come and make the world right or start making the world right. The arrival of God's hope for the world was on its way. The prophets were telling us the beginning of making the world right, what humanity longed for, the God's promise for us and for the world that would reflect, be reflected only in his kingdom, only in the way of his kingdom, his rule, his purposes, and that could not be accomplished by our human effort. 
We could respond to it, but we could not make it happen. We could live into it, but we could not make it happen. We could follow it, but we could not make it happen. And that's the heartbeat of Advent. God's hope for you, God's hope for the world, accomplished through his Messiah, Jesus. And the prophets were telling us this was coming, this was coming, this was coming. Now back to Paul in Rome. Because these Christians, they already benefited from the arrival. I mean, I would be lying to you if I'd say, let's wait for it. Because we know it's happened. The beauty of it already happening means that we can trust that Christ's second coming is, is certain. But these Christians, they've already benefited from the arrival. It's already come. Jesus showed up, lived, died, resurrected, sent his spirit. The apostle Paul was an apostle teaching the apostolic message of Christ. The power of God's kingdom was active among them already. I mean, let's face it, Jews and Gentiles together, even in the same room, that was a miracle in and of itself. God was already at work in P- as people were following the way of Christ. But here's the problem. They were missing the purpose. They were missing the possibility because they got so caught up with a misplaced hope. They got so caught up by being stuck in something they thought was giving them hope. While they began to follow Jesus and They weren't allowing the fullness of God's kingdom to break into their relationships, to break into their conflicts, to break into their community. The Jews couldn't see why their food laws didn't apply to Gentiles, and that held back community. And the Gentiles couldn't see why Jews bothered with these cultural uh, practices, and they, they would belittle them and belittle their customs, and that held them back from community. And they both had a misplaced hope. Particularly, there was a misplaced hope in food regulation. But before you call them out, before you say, oh my gosh, get over it, guys. Like, seriously? Just like, go to McDonald's. Before you get judgy and, you know, call them out and say, I don't get this. Or, hey, don't you know about the cross? The cross has saved you. The cross has freed you. I just want a question for us, for me, for you. What's your misplaced hope? What's your misplaced hope these days? Like, where are you focusing on, and as a result, God's kingdom is not breaking into your life? What are you making priority or majoring on or putting your hope in that's not allowing the kingdom to break in? Like, how would, how would someone finish the statement in your life The kingdom of God is not about blank. That's an important question, especially as we enter into Advent, especially in a world that's so wrapped up with finding fulfillment in so many other ways, and we we are not immune to those messages, to those invitations. What is your misplaced hope? Whatever it is, two things can happen. That misplaced hope can take precedence over God's kingdom for you, And secondly, that misplaced hope, you can make that misplaced hope an obstacle for others to experience true hope in Christ. Because this is what you're, this is, you might say you believe this, you might say you do this, we we might say we go to church, we, we sing the songs, but this is the reality of hope for you in your life. And when that's the reality, everybody around you will never see this. They're only really seeing this. So you become an obstacle or you make it an obstacle for others to experience that hope or God's kingdom. 
Some people's misplaced hopes are political, like a political party. Some are an affirmation for themselves that, you know, culture affirms them or a friend group affirms them. For some, it's, you know, we we put our nation above any other ideal. For some, it's even our cultural background. For some, it's the methods that that we've, we've, we've held dear to. But really, in Christ... They, they don't bring the kingdom. And God's hope for you is not these things. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's not about food and drink. It's not about a, a left or right political agenda. It's not about one nation's dreams and aspirations over others. It's not about your personal success or my personal success or prosperity. It's not... It's not your human or cultural preferences. It's not my pleasures or wants or your desires. The kingdom of God is not a matter of these things. It's so much bigger than that. In the next few weeks, we're actually going to focus on like, the beauty of righteousness from God's kingdom and the beauty of peace that comes from God's kingdom and the beauty of joy that comes from God's kingdom. But for now, just, this, just today, I want to ask this question. What is your misplaced hope. As we sit before God and invite him to work in us. See, because what you hope for will never be fulfilled by those things. What the world hopes for will never be fulfilled by those things. Only God's kingdom come. So why Advent? Why bother re-entering into this story today for the next few weeks? Why not just rush to Christmas Because this chapter of God's story reminds us of God's promises and God's purposes and the reason for the initial coming arrival. Paul's focus on God's kingdom is exactly this. He interrupted their misplaced hope. When he said this, when he, just, when he just kind of like, it's almost I can hear and see if Paul would have been in front of them, he's like, guys, guys, listen, stop it, stop it. God's kingdom isn't about like what you put in your mouth and what you're drinking. It's not about that. It's like he just wants to interrupt their patterns and interrupt their hopes and interrupt what, you know, everything that's been kind of keeping them away from the fullness of God's kingdom and even away from each other. Paul's focus on the kingdom interrupts their human patterns. And some religious patterns that are influenced by human patterns are interrupted by God's kingdom. And sometimes our church patterns that we've created or we've jumped into or we have held as doctrine or dogma and they're just church patterns not reflective fully in the scriptures, aren't reflective of kingdom patterns, they need to be interrupted too. We need to let God interrupt those by, with his kingdom. And social patterns that have taken precedent over God's kingdom patterns, all these, we need to hear Paul's words to us through this letter, the kingdom of God is not about this, 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 or this. It's something way better, way bigger. When Paul breaks through with this line, it's like he's saying, don't you realize God's kingdom isn't about this, but it's really about that. I have, I've had and still have a bunch of misplaced hopes. I'll be honest. And uh, if you want to list some later on, go ahead. It'd be great. We could, this could become a whole rehabilitation group right here if we all shared our misplaced hopes. And I've had a handful, a few for sure, maybe several. 
one of my misplaced hopes for a chunk of my life was the view of, um, of my work. I don't mean the view of ministry, but my view of work sometimes skewed my view of ministry. I had this view that work um, made me valuable, that work, the, how much work and how many hours and how much time I put in and the idea that I did work a lot was like an identity for me, maybe projected for others to see. That made me think that I, my work built God's kingdom. And that would, in a false way, affirm me that if I stayed super long working on a day or neglected other people in my life for this work, even though it was God's work, but it was still work. And that was a misplaced hope. That misplaced hope affected my marriage. It wasn't helpful for my family. It created an unhealthy lens for people around me. And it diminished, it, this was, it diminished my dependence on God for fruit and ministry. Because it was my work. I put this in, I put this effort in, I put these hours in, I stayed that extra day, I worked over the weekend, I didn't take my vacation. I left my family that night for the X amount of nights. And then it diminished my dependence on God for fruit and ministry. That was one of my misplaced hopes. That's not how the kingdom of God functions. That's not the way the spirit works. That doesn't reflect righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna invite the band to come up to help us close in a moment, but let me just ask you this question for you, for me, for all of us. You know, what, what lie have you been believing? What lie have you been believing that needs to be broken through a fresh realization of God's kingdom? What lie have you been believing that needs to be broken through this fresh realization of God's kingdom? Maybe you need to take Paul's first words there, just that, those first words and like put it on your, you know, somewhere in your car or your, your fridge or your phone. The kingdom of God is not. And then just like add a few words that have been your misplaced hope lately. What lie has replaced your source of hope or maybe become your source of hope and replaced the true source of hope? And how has this misplaced hope made it hard for others now to see the hope that can only come through God's kingdom. Because our life is living this kind of hope, and God's kingdom hope is offered over here. And we might talk a good game, but people see that our true source of hope is right here, not God's kingdom. And when we do that, we make it hard for others to see God's kingdom. Yeah, we long for them too, but we make it hard for them too. So our misplaced hopes, and I, I, I want to put this line on the screen for us to help remind us of this. Our misplaced hopes can be the biggest obstacle to God's hope for us. Our misplaced hopes can be the biggest obstacles to God's hope for us and the biggest obstacle to God's hope extended to others. Those misplaced hopes. But here's a beautiful invitation. That might feel like, like a real bummer. It's like, oh my man, I want more. Well, the invitation 
in Advent is to re-enter the chapter in God's story that the arrival of his kingdom is on its way if we re-enter that part of the story. We know it's come, but we re-enter it because it fills us with anticipation that God can come again in fresh ways in my life, come again in fresh ways in our world, come again in fresh ways in our church. So the invitation in Advent is to re-enter this chapter of God's story of the promised arrival of his kingdom and that anticipation, that desire, that expectation is a longing in our hearts, is a longing in our hearts. You guys can continue. And in that moment, we, were, we, we invite that interruption. We invite that interruption. So I just want to give you a moment here, just this morning, to make room for the Holy Spirit to interrupt your heart, your life, your mind. Maybe he wants to identify for you one of those misplaced hopes. And it might even look like a real good, like a religious one. It might even look like a real spiritual one. But it's been replacing the fullness of God's kingdom. So just give you a moment and then give us a chance to respond to Jesus today in fresh ways or in a fresh opportunity. song we sang earlier about the coming of God's kingdom, the coming of Christ, I would just invite you again just to, let's just invite the Lord in fresh ways to come into your own life and your own heart. And if you've never responded to Jesus before, you've, you've been searching or looking or wondering or exploring, today's a beautiful opportunity to do that. Because he, he, wants, he wants to come into your life he wants to be Lord of your life. If you invite him, if you welcome him in, if you recognize and pause and recognize his desire to be Lord of your life. And as a result of recognizing his lordship, his death and resurrection, you invite his work of forgiveness and reconciliation in you. So if you need to make that decision as we're singing or in these next few moments, do so. And then I'll come up later and pray. Lead us, guys. It's Jesus. Yeah, God, we pray in this moment, God, we just come, bow before you. And we ask you to make a way through our misplaced hopes. We want to say that we welcome the interruption the interruption of clarity God show us 
in the pockets of our lives where we might say your kingdom is not this or it's not this or it's not this oh God show us interrupt us unearth habits patterns false beliefs even best of intentions breakthrough Lord and so God as we enter into Advent the beautiful reminder of the arrival of your coming kingdom Lord we pray with anticipation we pray with urgency we pray with desperation that you would come afresh in our own hearts and lives break through into us Lord we pray may we truly long for may we truly long for the power and presence and purpose of your kingdom in us and not in us individually God but in how we relate to one another as the body of Christ how we serve one another and how we extend the beautiful message of your kingdom to the world so God as we begin this season this journey re-entering this story God we welcome we welcome fresh from you Lord your word and your invitation and your purposes God for some today here or listening online that are making that first step of putting their trust in Jesus oh God may they see may they see and hear your invitation to follow and in that process, God, as they begin to recognize areas of their lives that feel incongruent with you and your heart and your purpose, as they bring that to you, God, in, a, in confession, may they experience and hear your mercy and response and invitation to draw near to you, God. And we anticipate your work in each fresh step today. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com forward slash giving. Until next time, peace.